Welcome to Humans in Public Health. I'm Megan Hall. In the past few years, the field of public health has become more visible than ever before, but it's always played a crucial role in our daily lives. Each month, we talk to a person who makes this work possible. Today, Professor Allison Tovar. Allison has been thinking about food choices since she was diagnosed with diabetes as a young adult. She's gone on to combine her interests in nutrition and psychology to design projects that encourage healthy eating, especially among young children. Her goal is to make the healthy choice the easy choice. Allison Tovar, thank you so much for joining me today. It's great to have you here. It's such a pleasure to be here. I understand that you started thinking about nutrition back when you were 19, based on your own personal experience. Do you mind telling me a little bit about how all this started? Absolutely. Um, Yeah, so when I was 19, going to college, I got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And through that path, just really had to learn about carbohydrate counting and what that did to my blood sugars and just having to monitor all the time. After Allison got the hang of managing her own diabetes, she started working in a diabetes clinic for children. She hated to see young people struggling with the disease, especially those with type 2 diabetes, which can be prevented with healthy eating and exercise. It made her think that I should be part of the solution to really help these kids avoid having to go through what I have to go through every day, which is just really annoying. A lot of your interventions start when these children are fairly young, like in daycare. So what do those interventions look like? We have community health workers or coaches work with child care providers to help shape their environments. And we do um, observations at the beginning of uh, the intervention. And then we provide guidance sort of through a six to eight month period on things that they could be doing in that environment. Allison's latest project is focused on Latino families. If families sign up to be part of the study, community health workers go into their homes and offer tailored nutrition support for their kids. And really the premise behind the study and intervention is to work with parents and meet them where they're at. I think parents are often shamed and told what not to do. We want to elevate parents, empower them, and help them make the healthy choice the easy choice. So it sounds like instead of coming into these situations with sort of a set of things you're going to do, your approach is more listening and responding to the needs of the community or the family. Yeah, we try as much as possible. We have, of course, some evidence on certain practices that we think might help. Throughout this process, it's just really been important to hear the voices of those parents and community members and making sure we're really listening to them. Unfortunately, in public health, I think we sometimes think that our communities need saving and that we need to fix all the problems that these communities have. And I really want to celebrate our communities. They have so much to offer. They know what they need. And so I think for me, that's been really important over the past five to 10 years to really change that mindset. But Allison and her team do come into every project with some useful principles for parents to try. One is what's called repeated exposure. Very often kids, if they taste a new food, 
If you have kids, you know, they might make a face, they might reject it right away, and that's normal. And I think some parents think like, oh my God, they're never going to eat broccoli their entire life. But the truth is it takes a long time for them to, to like a food. And so not giving up right away and not to make it a stressful situation, just to be like, oh, okay, you didn't like that this time. We'll try it again another time. Parents shouldn't just give up and serve their kids chicken nuggets every day because that's all they'll eat and they're tired yes. of fighting with them about it. You know, I have two kids and I completely understand that it will never be perfect and it's hard. But I think just not saying, OK, they are never going to eat anything. They are picky right off the bat. Really changing those expectations is important. And there are more principles. A couple of other ones are just role modeling. You know, eating the same foods that are nutrient dense. So that's another one. Encouraging and praise. Saying like, oh, I see you, Johnny. You tried the broccoli. That goes a long way. And, and we've seen that works in studies. A couple of other ones are just involving kids in food preparation, uh, just getting them like their senses involved. Like, oh, did you smell this? You know, get them involved in the kitchen. And the, there's some studies showing that that, that works well, too. I was going to say, most parents know their kids should be eating more vegetables and they shouldn't be drinking soda. They should be drinking water. But the how seems like the harder part. This is exactly what this intervention is about, is we know exactly. Parents know this is really, okay, you know, but let's help you work on the how within your home environment, providing, again, structure. Like if you're bringing in soda, for example, you know that there may be a fight down the road if it's there. One of the things we we talk about is how can you just maybe keep it out of the house. When you go outside, of course, you have no control. Um, and that's something that many other researchers luckily are working on. We need to change our broader environments. But when you're in the home, you have certain control. And that way you can avoid that fight. You mentioned before that you often work with the Latinx community. How do you balance the sort of like cultural significance of meals and what they represent with making healthy choices? Yeah, I love that you bring that up because this is such an important part of our intervention. We want to celebrate that culture. And we actually know from the Latino culture, there are many things that are wonderful. Beans are, are great source of protein and fiber. We've worked with the parents and we've developed a really cute cookbook with different recipes in there that are from their culture. We don't want to be telling families like, oh, you should be giving up your cultural foods. It's interesting. A lot of the families we work with have come to this country in the past 10 to 15 years, and they really want to hold on to some of their cultural foods and practices, and they struggle with their kids because their kids, are, of course, are going to school and being exposed to other environments. And many times what we hear parents doing is that they prepare their own foods from their own culture, and then they their child is eating like the quote-unquote American foods, which are chicken nuggets and French fries. And of course, it's complex. They want to fit in. And that's part of that acculturation process. But we do absolutely try to bring that in and talk about their cultural foods. It's American food that seems to be the unhealthy food, right? So maybe honoring culture is yes. encouraging healthier habits. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when I work with 
these Latino families. They do so many lovely stews and soups. And absolutely, there's there is a lot. And yeah, one of the things that drives me nuts is the like children's menus in restaurants. We've just assumed that our children just won't eat anything. And that just drives me nuts because they do. They do. And they enjoy eating the same foods we enjoy eating when they're prepared well because they can be really tasty. For me as a parent, I feel like I'm struggling with two different forces. There's the desire to make sure that my kids are eating healthy foods, but then there's also the desire to be body positive and you know, I don't want to do anything that might encourage my kids to develop an eating disorder. So how do you balance being conscious about what you eat with also avoiding your kids having food issues in the future? And I struggle with the same thing. So I think for me around the food, it's really, and and there have actually been studies also showing that the more parents restrict and pressure that really backfires in the long run. And so I think a lot of that pressure and restriction comes from our concern of like, oh, we want them to be eating, you know, healthy all the time. And so I would encourage you to think about, okay, let's take that pressure and, you know, restriction away and relax and enjoy around food and meals. And the other thing is I think, and I try to do this, it's maybe not thinking about what they eat every single moment, every single day, and instead think about as kind of an average <laughs> over a week. I think it's taking away that perfection and encouraging them and using some of those food parenting practices, encouraging, involving, doing the best we can without really pressuring. Interventions can only go so far. What is your hope for ways that environment or policy might change in the United States to address this issue, help people eat healthier food, live healthier lives? I hope that we can tackle what we call the social determinants of health, even things like ensuring that there's adequate housing, access to health care. We know poverty is the main driver of food insecurities. Allison says when parents were getting the child tax credit during the COVID pandemic, it not only lifted them out of poverty, it also helped them buy better food for their families. She says, if we make it easier for parents to pay their bills, their kids will be healthier in all sorts of ways. There are many other policies from, you know, subsidizing fruits and vegetables versus corn and wheat, all the way to making some of the programs that we have more accessible to families, making it easier, not having all the red tape to have to enroll in a program. I just hope <laughs> that in, in, in a few years, we can just make it easier for families to take advantage of some of these wonderful programs that are out there. Allison Tovar, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Allison Tovar is an associate professor of behavioral and social sciences and part of the Center for Health Promotion and Health Equity at the Brown University School of Public Health. Humans in Public Health is a monthly podcast brought to you by Brown University School of Public Health. I'm Megan Hall. Talk to you next month.